It's bet to win on a Wednesday here and a huge show, a huge week in the world of sports. We've got a monster show, three different guests. It's the Masters coming. It starts on Thursday. Travis Fulton, my guy, is here to preview everything that is to happen at Augusta. Tiger Woods, he's back, ladies and gentlemen. Tiger is back. Nick Dayus is on to talk all things UFC 273. Then my guy Scott Seidenberg from VEASAN gets us ready for LNB opening day. But first... I sadly have a couple L's to hold. National championship game was fun. Kansas wins their fourth in program history, their first since 2008, beating North Carolina, erasing a 16-point deficit. They were down 15 at the half, but it was not a profitable game for your boy. Kansas minus four was a loser. That was my best bet on Monday. A tale of two halves in this game. Obviously, Kansas embarrassed the first 20 minutes, and it was comprehensive. From North Carolina, Kansas couldn't make a bucket. Uh, Brady Manick turned into Dikembe Mutombo in that game somehow. Uh, obviously, we know he's a knockdown shooter, but that guy was a rim protector in this game. He was eating Christian Brown's lunch in that first half. Jalen Wilson couldn't make a lay-in. Uh, Ochai Abaji, Ochai Abaji uh, as I fumble that name, was invisible. Um, and then Kansas, uh, Kansas dominates second half, and they erased that deficit in less than 10 minutes. And a brutal way to lose this one. Kansas up three, about five seconds left. They've got the ball. All you got to do is just get fouled. Make at least one free throw and you push. Make two and it's a winner. And Dewan Harris Jr. steps out of bounds. Brutal. So you couple that with them going eight of 14 from the free throw line. Abaji missed a ton. And he also goes 6 of 17 from 3. A painful loss on Kansas minus 4. I salvaged most of my losses with Kansas minus 6.5 in the second half, which was an easy winner. Um, But then I also lost over 151. Never really got close as both these teams shot terribly from the field. North Carolina, 31.5% from the field, 5 of 23 from 3. But it was an awesome game and a great conclusion to what was a really fun tournament. We saw... uh, maybe the most epic final four game I can remember between Duke and North Carolina. And then the national championship game didn't disappoint either. Um, A really, I mean, you, you tip your cap to North Carolina. They've got Armando Baycott playing through a rolled ankle. Uh, They've got Brady Manick who may have been concussed the entire game after taking a blow to the head in the first couple minutes of the game. And it was tied 22, 22 and they go on a 16 0 run in that first half. Um, And you've got Puff Johnson puking on the court in the second half. So credit to the Tar Heels, just couldn't get it done down the stretch. Also, huge fan of Hubert Davis, maybe about as likable a coach as you'll ever find. Um, And then congrats to Kansas, who uh, would have been awesome if they covered because good teams win, great teams cover. And they're just a good team, I guess, because they couldn't get it done for me. Uh, So minus four is a loser and uh, over 151, also a loser. Got some best bets coming for you here at the end of the show. But first, let's dive into our trio of guests, and we pivot. Big week for Jim Nance. Goes from uh, Louisiana, New Orleans, the Superdome, to Augusta National in Georgia to call the Masters a tradition unlike any other. To here to preview it is Travis Fulton of the Stripe Show podcast. Also hired to be your golf instructor. You can follow him on Twitter, at Travis Fulton, and on Instagram, Travis Fulton Golf. Tiger Woods is playing, Trav. 
He's 60 to one to win it. How are we doing, man? This is a huge week at Augusta. Always. But the fact that Tiger is going to play in this tournament makes it even bigger. Yeah, things are good. You know, the golf business is in a great spot to begin with. And now we get Tiger Woods back. He comes back after the accident that he had last year. Just a remarkable story. Uh, everything coming together here. Masters week. He's going to give it a go, it sounds like. And um, but we just couldn't be in a better spot. Yeah, new studio. Check it out. Uh, my partners about golf simulators just got done shooting some content for my new training program that I'm putting up uh, this week. I love that. I could spend all day on that simulator <laughs> and just play every course, play all the different games. That is sick. An absolute dream come true. Congratulations on that, man. So I mentioned Tiger is 60 to one uh, to win the whole thing, uh, two to one to finish top 20. You can bet whether or not he's going to make the cut. Uh, those odds are uh, minus 105 to make the cut, minus 115 to miss the cut. What are your expectations for Tiger here this week? Well, you know, I learned long ago, like many, you probably shouldn't doubt Tiger because if Tiger tells you, look, I'm showing up and I feel like I can win, I think you have to take his word for it, even though he hasn't played competitive golf in a long time and has been rehabbing his leg, his ankle, his body, which he almost lost um, from this uh, horrific accident that he had. It's amazing that he's here. I find myself thinking, you know, there's no way that he can win this thing. There's no way he's going to make the cut. These guys are too good, but it's Augusta. He's won it five times. He is Tiger Woods, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time. He's certainly the greatest iron player of all time, which we know is critical at Augusta National. Um, you have to have experience at this place. He has plenty of it. And I still think there's a little intimidation factor uh, with the players. Yeah, I know the younger players are more prepared and they didn't play against Tiger. But look, when Tiger Woods shows up, you saw the scene on Monday on number one. They're seven, eight deep all the way up number one fairway. No one's seen anything like it. I wouldn't put it past him. Look, my prediction, he makes the cut. I'll put a little money on a top 20, but winning feels a little too far out there for me. Yeah, you hear Fred Couples after that Monday round say, if this guy can walk the course, his swing is every bit as good yeah. uh, as everybody else here to, to win the tournament. I find myself doubting him, which you're right, is a fool's errand because he's proven us time and again that, that, that you should never doubt Tiger. If he's there, he's there to win, as he mentioned in his press conference. I'm curious, when it comes to making the cut, whether you're betting on Tiger or anybody else in this field, you look at it and say it's the best of the best, but then at the same time, it, it is a smaller field. So is it easier right. to make the cut? Do you view it as hard because it is Augusta, it is, it is the Masters, and people can melt there uh, in a fashion that maybe you wouldn't see at other courses just given the magnitude of the event? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's only 91 players. Um, and look, there's a lot of players, let's call them experienced players that are in the field, Bernhard Longer, Fred Couples. Tiger's not worried about those guys. Um, you know, so you can kind of eliminate, I think, even a third, probably to a half of the field in Tiger's head. So yeah, I think it's very likely he makes the cut considering he knows how to get around that golf course. I'm a little worried about the weather. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of wind. It's going to be a little chillier as the week goes on. So Hopefully that rain doesn't linger around. You get that stop and go action like we saw at the Players' Championship. That won't be good for Tiger. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's very likely he goes out, 
He manages his way around the golf course. Even in Tiger's heyday, Joe, he didn't get off to big starts on a Thursday. It was, you know, your layman start, 71, 70. And then he kind of picked it up as he went on. So I, I think he plays conservative golf. I think he can get around, you know, even par, maybe throw a couple birdies in there. Um, more birdies on Friday and, and, and make the cut and see what happens. What's the biggest non-Tiger storyline? You know, it's a good question. Um, I, I think, honestly, you know, John Rahm has been the number one player in the world, right? And Scheffler takes, him, takes it over with three wins in five weeks, which I don't think anybody saw coming. Uh, I didn't. I mean, I knew Scheffler was a good player. He was a good collegiate player at Texas. But to win three times in five weeks, five events on the PGA Tour is Tiger-esque. So he's the number one player. I think Rom's short game, he's struggling around the greens and on the green. Um, he's a different player right now coming into Augusta. He's got four top tens in his last four starts. But uh, he's got to pick it up with the wedge game and the putter. His ball striking is good. So that's on my radar. But I think anytime you come back to Augusta, there's two names. There's Rory, right, who's trying to finish off the Grand Slam. He's got to get those questions all of the time. I'm not real big on Rory this week. He's I'm not quite struggling. sure where his game is at. And I, then, I, of course, Spieth, right? You know, Spieth won it in 15. I still think Spieth moves the needle. Um, and he's coming in. Again, kind of struggling with the putter like John Rahm. But I think of all of those, the biggest has to be Rory McElroy, which outside of Tiger winning, that would be the biggest, that would be the biggest story is him completing the Grand Slam. Why has he struggled so much of late? You know, it's just, it, you've seen, you know, ex excuses, if you want to call them excuses, or complaining about courses being too hard. You know, the weather's <laughs> gotten the best of him in different spots. He hasn't performed well, hasn't finished well when he's been in contention. Um, what is Rory's biggest issue right now? You know, I think um, that's a tough one to answer because you're not inside the ropes knowing Rory. I've always said, look, I think Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy are two guys that can appear to lose a little interest at times. And when they do, they're so good. They can still finish in the top 20. And it's like, oh, he's fine, you know. But Rory clearly, I don't think is as focused as we've seen him in the past. I, I think his putter was really good there for a stretch. I think he struggled with his ball striking. He was bouncing around a little bit with some swing coaches. I think he's rectified that. His driver looks more like a weapon again. And then his putter kind of goes away. And I do think, you know, on my podcast, we talked about this on Monday. You know, he sits on the, the policy board for the PGA Tour. There's a lot of stuff going on, Joe, you know, outside the ropes on the golf course, all these rival leagues. I think Rory has been the face and the voice for the players of that. He's had to field a lot of questions. I, 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 I worry a little bit about that. That takes his mind away from focusing on his own game. So I think there's a few things there. He's a dad now. You know, priorities change a little bit. But make no mistake, if, if you get a focus Rory McIlroy, complete focus, which I don't think we've had in a while, he is must-watch TV, like Dustin Johnson, who I like this week, and have put some money on. I think DJ has a good chance to put on a second green jacket. Love that. We'll get to your best bets in a moment. But first, you know, you talk about the guys who are struggling, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, but there's nobody hotter right now than Cam Smith or Scotty Scheffler. You mentioned Scheffler, three wins and five starts, going from a guy who, who felt due for his first win is now the top-ranked player in the world. Cam Smith also uh, has been a stud this year with a couple of wins, and he seems to be all over every leaderboard in each tournament he plays. 
Do you give either of those guys a shot to win this weekend at Augusta? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think Augusta is a good spot for Cam. I, I'm, I'm still amazed. I think the greatest statistic of the year is at the Players' Championship, Cam Smith lost five strokes off the tee and still won. Um, you just don't ever see that. That just shows you how good of a putter he is. And of course, at Augusta, you can spray it a little bit. I mean, guys like Tiger, Phil, guys who are not great drivers of the ball, Patrick Reed, you can spray it around at Augusta and still use your imagination, miss it in the right spots, have a great short game and, and putter and still have a chance to win. And that's what we see with Cam Smith. So yeah, I give Cam um, really against to win here. He's finished second in the past. And his iron game, you know, it's interesting with Cam when he, when you look at him now, people equate Cam Smith to being a great iron player. When he first came on the PGA Tour, he wasn't. He's always been a genius around the greens and on the green, but he's really developed into becoming an elite iron player. And I think that's what we see with Scheffler too, to transition to him. My question with Scheffler coming out of college was, look, his driver we know is a weapon. He's a wonderful driver of the ball. I think he would prefer to see more of a U.S. Open style off the tee where there's a more premium on accuracy, but he can still win here. He's played twice, two top 20s. Um, his short game, I think, is underrated. I think he's a really good situational putter. And I, I think his iron game has proven me and to others that it's elite. So when you have an elite iron game, you can win at Augusta National. Um, but I think both of these guys, you know, they've had success, Cam more than the other, but it'd be absolutely amazing if Scotty Scheffler wins the Masters. We're talking four wins and a major in the last six start starts. That's like what Tiger Woods does. What bets do you have so far? What tickets have you been, have you placed? I've got a handful of best bets. I'm going to save that for the end of the show, but All I'm right. hoping that you throw out a couple of names that I've got as well, whether it's top 20s, top 10s, top fives, uh, or outright winners, who have you bet on already? And, and who are maybe you, you're still eyeing with a day to go before this thing begins? Well, you know, I like to sprinkle around a little bit, you know, have your favorites and then, you know, a couple guys mid odds and then maybe a couple long shots. And, you know, I think when you, when you look at the chalk, I, I like JT, uh, Justin Thomas and, and Dustin Johnson. I think Justin Thomas is looking like he's ready to win a major championship. I think a second major is coming and his putter has settled down now to the point where I think he's more in control, maybe not as up and down as we've seen in the past. I think he's driving the ball well. He's one of the best iron players in the world. And I like the idea of the win coming in and JT winning. This win's going to be a factor this week. It's going to dirty things up. Justin Thomas got the, the bad end of the draw at the Players' Championship and was still there. So give me JT. I think DJ has got his driver figured out now, which I think was an issue at the end of last year. And then, um, look, as far as some top 20s, I'm kind of a Sam Burns homer. I've been on him. I've been telling people on my podcast for the last two years that Sam Burns is coming. And he's won three times now in the last 11 months. So I have to stay with Sam. It's unlikely he wins the first time playing the Masters, but give me a top 20 uh, at plus 150. And give me Tony Finau to be now and show up and put some things together. Augusta has a way of taking players who have struggled and then they show up at Augusta and all of a sudden, everything is right again. We've seen it with Phil Mickelson in the past. I think we'll see it with Finau. Give me Tony Finau in a top 20 at plus 180 also. I love that. I don't have Finau, but I've got Sam Burns on my card and I've got Justin go. Thomas on my card. I love it. Travis, 
Thank you so much, man. Again, follow him on Twitter at Travis Fulton. Follow him on Instagram at Travis Fulton Golf. Listen to his Stripe Show podcast. It is tremendous. Make sure you subscribe today. And also, if you're looking for an instructor, even if you're not in Florida, he can do virtual lessons as well. Hire him to be your golf coach. Trav, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate your time and the insight. Enjoy this weekend's tournament. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. Hey, go Mariners. Yes, sir. Yes. Go Mariners. Indeed. Awesome stuff there from Trav. Cannot wait for the Masters. Uh, we will talk more baseball in a moment, but first I've got my guy, Nick Day is back on. It's been a minute since we've had him on. He is the host and founder of Blue Wire's Veterans Minimum Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Nick Day is 10. Nick, how's everything back east, man? What's going on? Everything is good, Joe. Can't complain. The weather has been a little wacky, but that's the usual early April, late March weather in the East Coast. And I'm excited to be back, man. It's been a while since uh, we connected. It's good to chat with you again, man. It's a big card. UFC 273 Saturday night in Jacksonville. The main event is Alexander Volkanovsky against the Korean Zombie. Take me through this card, man, and the top storylines and what makes you pump for what's to come on Saturday. Joe, these are one of my favorite cards because it's very rare where we get a lot of public hype as far as excitement and some big fights. And it's an amazing betting card. And some of the fights that we're going to highlight, starting with this main event. Look, Joe, I'm not someone that lays big money on when it comes to the fight game. A lot of wacky stuff can go down. Minus 745 is what Volkanovski is in this fight. And he is a points fighter. And what I mean by that is he doesn't really get finishes. He wins rounds. He accumulates strikes. He doesn't take a lot of damage. And he's a guy that keeps you at bay. And he is a fantastic fighter. He has not lost in the UFC. He lost his first fight in his career and he's been undefeated since. And he's going up against the Korean zombie who the initial fight wasn't scheduled to be the opponent. It was supposed to be Max Holloway. Then Max pulled out with an injury. So then Chang Song Jung, the Korean zombie, stepped in. So huge favorite is what Volkanovski is right now. Why do you get excited about this fight from a betting standpoint? And I think that's like my biggest curiosity. We've talked about this because so often it's these big cards and all this promotion and pub and whatever, but you have one guy who's expected to kick the crap out of the other guy and, and Vegas isn't even giving so many of these fighters a chance in these fights. Yeah, so the reason why I like this is because I mentioned how Volkanovski is a points fighter and him to win via decision, meaning it goes five rounds, and the Korean Zombie's a very durable guy. He's had main event championship caliber fights in the past, and they've gone the distance. He's a hard guy to put away. Uh, a lot of UFC fans might be listening to this, and the first thing you think of is he's up 4-0, Joe, on Yair Rodriguez a couple years ago, and Yair just throws this like fourth down and 25 Hail Mary elbow and knocks him out with literally one second, leaves him cold on the ground. But historically, he's a guy who's super durable. And Volkanovski doesn't really knock guys out. So instead of laying minus 745, why not Volkanovski on points at minus 150? That's a lot more enticing to me, especially when that's a clear path to victory for him. I love that bet. I will, I will tail that and put that ticket in uh, the second we get done with this interview. I know you've got a number of other fights here that you're looking at from a betting standpoint. Uh, uh, pardon my pronunciations here if I butcher some of these names, but uh, another big favorite. Uh, Peter Yan at minus 505 against Aljamain Sterling at plus 370. 
take me through that fight. Maybe what else is on your card and, and what you're looking forward to uh, Saturday night. So this is a rematch of a fight in which Peter Jan was absolutely just mauling Aljamain Sterling. He was up on the cards and he threw an illegal knee strike and Jan lost his title to Sterling via disqualification. Now, it was a strike that was super unnecessary, uncalled for, and a guy of Jan's caliber. That was a first amateur fight in your career, Joe, kind of mistake that Jan made. But there's so much heat and animosity in this fight where Jan, as a close to minus 500 favorite, like you mentioned, in a rematch, I think Jan, and I've had the pleasure of talking to John Anik in the past when I was doing the pod with Will, he said that there's not a fighter in the UFC that is way better in person than he is on TV. So if you think he's amazing, like I do on TV and person, it's a completely different animal. Like this guy is clearly the best fighter in his weight class. And the back and forth jabs that Sterling has been throwing towards Jan and calling him, sending him an MMA for dummies rule book. Jan is just salivating, salivating for Saturday to be locked in the cage with this guy. What's your bet? I think Jan, you can't really bet this technically, but Jan by mass murder in the octagon is what I'm going with. <laughs> so you're going uh, I think by knockout? By knockout, yeah. He's not really a submission guy. He's a guy who is, he doesn't get tired. It's the most fascinating things. Round five starts and it looks like he's, you know, the uh, Bruce Buffer is introducing him. Like it's amazing his conditioning and he is just going to piece up Sterling, and then eventually just TKO him, I think, in the fourth or fifth round on the ground. You get some crazy odds for the fourth or fifth round. 14 to 1 Jan in the fourth round. 18 to 1 Jan in the fifth round. And again, with the durability and how much of a cardio machine he is, that's kind of where I'm looking at. But overall, I think Jan by knockout or TKO at plus 175 is what I would bet on as opposed to betting minus 500 on him to win the fight outright. What else is on your card? I want to pivot real quick uh, eventually and talk a little bit of World Cup now that the, the draw has been out and we know what the U.S. group looks like. But but what else is on your UFC betting card just so people can, uh, can tell you? Well, here's the thing, man. There's a guy fighting this weekend, Joe, who the you want to talk about a hype train. We haven't seen a hype train like this since Connor. And it's Hamzat Chemaev. He's fighting Gilbert Burns. Chemaev in four UFC fights, Joe, has suffered one strike against him. He doesn't just maul people. He picks them up, talks to Dana White, says, have my check ready for 50 Gs, baby. I'm going to finish this guy. And now he's going up against Gilbert Burns. And Burns, his last outing, I believe was against Wonder Boy. He won that fight. But he previously fought for the title against Usman, dropped Usman in the first round too. This is a guy who, if Chamayev could continue this momentum and steamroll Gilbert Burns, his next fight is for the title. So yeah, this is the third fight on the pay-per-view main card. He's a minus 565 favorite is Chamayev. And I feel like it's justified because of how dominant he's been. With that said, I've been telling you throughout every time we've talked about UFC and MMA, I'm not laying minus 560 on anybody. I like Chamayev by TKO plus 100. And if I want to get a little crazy, the cool thing about Chamayev is he is a first round finisher. 
plus 180 for Chamayev to win in round one on Saturday. I love that. Good stuff. UFC 273, Saturday night in Jacksonville. Tail Nick, those are three best bets that you can cash in on. I will be tailing as well. Um, let's talk a little bit of soccer because we've got the World Cup out. The draws have been made with the exception of a couple teams to be decided in June. For starters, thank goodness the U.S. is in it. And it wasn't pretty uh, what they did in Costa Rica, but they got the job done nonetheless, um, avoiding a, a 6 nothing defeat. Finally, we can wash our mouths of the embarrassing loss four years ago against Trinidad and Tobago. They punched their ticket. We get to see Christian Pulisic in a World Cup, which I think everyone, every soccer fan in the United States and around the world, I think is looking forward to see this guy on that stage. What do you make of what the U.S. accomplished um, during World Cup qualifying? And now their group has announced it's England, it's Iran, and either Wales, Ukraine, or Scotland. Again, uh, whoever joins the group last will be decided in June. Joe, I just got to let you know that this is the first time that we're really talking about soccer. But for those that know me, U.S. soccer is my f- the team I care about the most across all sports. I get to different level. I'm a huge Giants fan, and uh, I just made a RSVP to go get a tattoo that's going to have some Giants theme on it too. I'm one of those sickos. <laughs> but when it comes to U.S. <laughs> soccer, self awareness it- is good there, Nick. Oh yeah, you got to have <laughs> self awareness, man. That's a whole <laughs> another discussion. But back to this, right? U.S. soccer, dude. I'm very passionate about it, and. I think that this is the golden generation for the U.S. team. And more so because we finally have players that are not playing in the MLS, right? Later today, Chelsea is playing in the Champions League against Real Madrid. Pulisic is going to be there. They got guys on Juventus. They got guys in the Champions League games playing as well. Like They don't have anyone on the MLS. So that's why the excitement and the optimism for the U.S. team is so high for 2022 and then 2026 later down the road, which is going to be held in the United States as well. So when it comes to this group, there's been a a, a little bit of a uh, tug of war between people on social media saying that, oh, the, the Americans shouldn't be this excited. You know, don't sleep on Iran and the other teams. It's like, yeah, no one is sleeping on these countries. They are very good at soccer. But compared to some of the groups the U.S. has been in the past, like the last time they were in the World Cup, they're in a group with Germany who ended up winning it, Portugal, and Ghana, who the U.S. and Ghana have had these bloodbaths year in, year out in World Cups. So it could have been worse, but you celebrate the fact that you're favored and projected to advance out of the group, which is always promising. And you kind of have a favorable draw in the second round if you do go there. You would play the likes of the Netherlands as opposed to playing your Brazils and Argentinas and Germanys, if that makes sense. I'm I'm excited for this World Cup. Again, I have to to brush up. I know a little bit of the roster, a little bit of where they're at, but I'm excited to get to know these kids who, who every time I watch them, seem fearless. And whether they are you know punching above their weight or they are genuinely a team that that can give you know make a run in the World Cup and, and cause some problems, I'm just thankful mm. I don't have to watch MLS you know retreads over and over again yeah. on this U.S. national team. I'm happy I don't have to watch the biggest moments of the World Cup come down to whether Chris Wondolowski can finish against Belgium in extra time. Oh. That makes me happy. Outside of anything else, I'm excited that this is just a new era of U.S. soccer. Well, look, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? And missing the World Cup in 2018 was a nightmare and a disaster, but we cleaned house of that MLS stuff. 
And one of the things that would happen to the US when they would go on these world stages, and look, the CONCACAF, like, it's Mexico and the US. And then after that, you get an occasional Jamaica team that might make some noise. And shout out to the Canadians, our neighbors up north. Yeah, they have a pretty favorable draw too. I think they're going to be interesting in the World Cup. But what happens is you play in these CONCACAFs and you're playing your El Salvador's and Guatemala's. And then all of a sudden, you're in the World Cup and you're playing Argentina. And you're playing Germany and like the level is so drastic. But the reason why it's so different now is what I mentioned before. Our young guys, which we have the youngest roster in the World Cup. So the average age is 24 and under for all our big players. They're playing on big clubs. Pulisic was in the Champions League final. He was the best player for Chelsea in their round of 16 matchups against Lille in the Champions League. It's like you don't play on these teams if you're trash. You know what I'm saying? Like you're playing on these clubs and Juventuses of the world because you're awesome. And now when we go in this world level and you're playing the Brazils and the Germanys, it's you're not intimidated like you were playing some kid on Stanford in college. I love that. Good stuff. Nick, again, Taylor's bets in UFC 273. Uh, hoping to cash some tickets with you, sir. And great stuff in the U.S. national team. I'm excited for the conversations to come down the road as the World Cup gets closer. Again, he is Nick Dayas. Follow him on Twitter, at Nick Dayas 10 He's the host and founder of the Veterans Minimum Podcast. Nick, as always, man, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for the insight and the conversation. Yes, sir, man. Anytime. Looking forward to it. From the hallowed grounds of Augusta National to a loaded UFC 273 card, we now move to the baseball diamond and bring in my guy Scott Seidenberg to talk opening day and preview the 2022 MLB season. You listen to Scott on the look ahead Sunday through Thursday, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern on VEASAN. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott's on air. Scott, this is great, man. A little home and home for us. Uh, I came yes. on your show a week ago. We talked baseball and then March Madness and all that. And it's great to have you here on Bet to Win, man. Thank you so much. And are we applying the same philosophy we usually do with these things where, you know, the team that loses the first game, we're going to bet on them in the rematch because, uh, you know, such familiarity playing in the close proximity to each other. It's hard to beat somebody twice, let alone three times, Scott. So I like that. I like that rationale. You're a baseball nut. I am as well. I cannot wait for this season to get going. Obviously, as a Mariners fan, this season has hope and expectations that hasn't been around in quite some time with the mixture of young stars and and established veterans. I'm already, they've got the buzzkill already, though, because the Mariners, we were just talking before going on, you were ready to smash the under on the Twins Mariners opening day. You'll still get an opportunity to do so. You'll just have to do so on Friday instead of Thursday. So opening day for me is pushed back a day, but still on Thursday, the entire league gets going. Um, how pumped are you for baseball to get going? I'm, I, I can't wait. And as soon as the lockout was announced that it was over, I, I was just thrilled and I was anticipating this day. Uh, I love Major League Baseball so much. I love the sport of baseball. It's my first love, you know, as a child. And just the fact that it's here after everything we dealt with this offseason is amazing. And I'm so happy and I can't wait to just uh, hopefully make a lot of money this season in Major League Baseball. And you mentioned that Mariners game. Yeah, I am bummed because I was going to hammer the under uh, with their opening day game against the Twins. Look, both of these teams are coming from very warm places in spring training. The Mariners in Arizona and the Twins in Florida. And in Minneapolis, the weather forecasted for opening day was 36 degrees, 18 mile per hour winds and rain and snow throughout the day. Obviously, I knew this game was eventually going to get called if it wasn't pushed back three or four hours as they were starting at four o'clock Eastern time. But 
the fact that uh, they were even thinking about playing this game or potentially playing this game had me thinking towards the under. Oh, and there's also this fact that the Twins and the Mariners are among the two best teams in the last 20 years in opening day unders. So it might be something I'll take a look at on Friday, even though uh, the weather probably will be a little bit better. You're still going to get Robbie Ray and Joe Ryan in the opening day. As long as the Mariners win, that's all I care about. Let's talk big <laughs> picture and we'll get to best bets and futures, but we can kind of talk through that when we, when we discuss some of these storylines. Let's start in the National League. The Dodgers are loaded. They get Freddie Freeman back. We know that roster was loaded already. It's maybe the most impressive lineup in the league. Is there anyone that, that you look at in the National League that you feel like can compete with them, or is this uh, a pennant for the Dodgers to lose? Well, we know they're going to be in the playoffs, so you pencil the Dodgers in right away. Uh, are you hoping that maybe the Giants have another surprising year? I think that's a little tough to ask for. The Padres are certainly going to be better, but without Tatis for the first couple of months, they're going to kind of hope to tread water and then really go on a run. For the rest of the season, but you can pencil in the Dodgers for a playoff berth, whether it's a division or a wild card, most likely the division, they'll be there. And in the playoffs, that's where you might find the opportunity because essentially it's a crapshoot. Yes, it's a seven game series. The better team usually wins out, but what if they match up with a team like the Brewers who we can also pencil in because no one else is beating them in the National League Central? The Brewers arguably have the best pitching staff in all of Major League Baseball when healthy. That's the caveat that you have to say with every Major League team. And I'll say that specifically with the New York Mets, because when the New York Mets are healthy with DeGrom and Scherzer, that's the best pitching staff in all of baseball. But it's the New York Mets and they're never healthy. So if the Brewers have to match up with the Dodgers in the playoffs, they could shut them down. You know, if they go with a four-man rotation or even a three-man rotation in the playoffs, they can limit the Dodgers bats. And then there's other teams that might make it into the postseason that could catch you, whether it's the defending champion Atlanta Braves, a team that I'm extremely high on in the Philadelphia Phillies, or yes, maybe even a familiar team in the West, like the Padres or the Giants. You mentioned the Mets and, and a, a Mets franchise and fan base that has been tortured in recent years. The spending has been there. The wins have not. You look at what's on paper DeGrom and Scherzer, obviously the top of a rotation, um, would scare anyone in a postseason series, but they've spent in the lineup as well. Obviously, Lindor, an underwhelming year last year, but now they signed Marte this offseason. Uh, Robinson Cano now can be a full-time designated hitter. Uh, you've got Pete Alonso back as he continues to, to develop into the one, of, one of the best first basemen in all of baseball. Should Mets fans have hope, or should they just expect to be let down once again by a team <laughs> that just perennially underachieves. It's the Mets. And you know, what's going to happen is starting on Thursday, that family guy clip is going to circulate throughout the internet. Once again, opening day and the season's over. Uh, that's what all Mets fans are waiting for. And the other thing with the Mets is yes, come July 1st, it'll be Bobby Bonilla day. So those are the two laughing points with the New York Mets, but there is a lot of hype and hope around this team because of the moves they made in the offseason, because of Steve Cohen being the owner and willing to spend a ton of money. And they have the pieces now. There's no excuses. They just have to stay healthy. The unfortunate thing with the New York Mets is that these things tend to always happen with them, where a paper cut turns into a torn ACL. A guy missing one start 
turns into the rest of the season. So yes, DeGrom should be back. Not that long, but then again, we never know. Scherzer's only going to miss a start. But then again, we never know. The Mets, they tend to always flirt with disaster. But if things do play out for them like Mets fans hope they will, the pieces are there. This is going to be a contending team. I don't want to say that I'm fading them. I'd just rather be on other pieces considering how overvalued this Mets team has been because of their offseason moves. And, and having to go into the season with both of your aces already banged up usually yeah. doesn't spell good things for your season. Let's move over to the American League. Um, so we talked National League. My one future there, I have the Dodgers at plus 700 because I will just bet on that lineup to win. I think they have enough pitching as well. <laughs> but in the American League, I'm really high on the Blue Jays and the White Sox. I have both in the win the World Series at plus 1,100. Obviously, you have the Red Sox. The Yankees, you you figure, will always be in the mix to a certain degree. Uh, the Rays are a problem some way, somehow, every single year. Maybe the most you know well-run organization from you know a dollar-for-dollar dollar standpoint. And they, it feels like they've got top prospects coming up every week. And then you have the Astros, who just kind of refuse to go away, much to my chagrin. Um, what do you think about the Blue Jays and White Sox? Talk about the Blue Jays team that... If we want to talk best lineups in baseball, the Dodgers probably won, but the, the Blue Jays are right there when you talk Vlad Guerrero, Matt Chapman, who a trade acquisition from mm -hmm. uh, the Oakland Athletics, Bo Bichette, one of the best young players in all of baseball, Lourdes Gurriel, uh, George Springer, Teoscar Hernandez, Alejandro Kirk is one of the best hitting catchers, will now move to DH probably uh, full time. And a line or a pitching staff that would they bring in? Uh, there was Barrios last year at the trade deadline. They re-signed him this offseason. Kevin Gossman coming over from uh, the San Francisco Giants. Alec Manoa, one of the best young arms in all of baseball. And then Ryu and Yusei Kikuchi as a couple of veteran arms to round out their rotation. This, to me, is a complete team. Where are you at with them? Yeah, the thing with them that people, you know, everyone's going to talk about losing Marcus Simeon, which is a big loss for them. You mentioned bringing in Matt Chapman. It allows Bijou to move over to, uh, excuse me, Bichette to move over to shortstop. And I, uh, I do believe that, you know, uh, well, Bichette's been at the shortstop, but you, you lose Simeon, who's shortstop third base. And now you get um, Chapman to fill that void. Not the same type of player as Simeon, because Simeon was an MVP candidate, right? But George Springer now gets a full season. That's huge. Barrios gets a full season with this team. There's also no more uncertainty with this team as to where they're playing their home games. For the past couple of seasons, it's been, oh, we start the year in Dunedin, or we go to Buffalo. No, it's Toronto. That's it. They're settled. The players are settled in now. There's really no excuse why this team shouldn't be one of the top teams in Major League Baseball. You ran through the lineup. You ran through the rotation. The only thing that's possibly standing in their way is that they do play in arguably the most competitive division in all of baseball, where there's four out of the five teams could win this division. No disrespect, Baltimore, but you're not winning the division. Uh, it's no that, disrespect. No, it's just reality. The yeah, truth hurts sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just reality. I'll, listen, I'll bet on you several times. We're going to get great value on the Baltimore Orioles this season, but they're not winning the division. But yeah, there's no excuse now for the Blue Jays. This is their year. They won 91 games last year, Joe. They're better than they were last year, and yet their total is still only 92 and a half wins. I don't see how this team doesn't win 95 to 97, close to 100 wins, and is threatening for the AL East Cram. I couldn't agree more.
Give me some of your futures that you have. I know we, we talked last week on your show and you had a number of them between favorites and long shots that you were really excited about. For me, my favorite is I like the Dark Horse team and the Tigers, and I love what they did this offseason. You've got a couple sure. of top prospects with Spencer Torkelson Austin Meadows and Riley Green. Them, which is, uh, just traded for Austin Meadows mm-hmm. from the Rays. I really liked the addition of Eduardo Rodriguez from uh, the Boston Red Sox. I think that's a team, as I can say personally, gave the Mariners fits last year and they were a pain in the butt to watch. But I do think their win total is a number I like. And I'm also, I've, I've been pumping it on Twitter as much as I can. Julio Rodriguez, I locked it in at plus 650. Wherever you can find it, I think there's value. Yes, Spencer Torkelson is there. Yes, Bobby Witt Jr. is there. All these guys are on opening day rosters, but Julio is just as good uh, as all of them, and he's also going to be playing center field predominantly. Um, And so for me, an all-world prospect, he's the Mariners' best position player prospect since Alex Rodriguez. I'm all in on Julio. That's my favorite future, and I win one. I just can't wait to watch all season long. Let's hope that the Mariners are competitive throughout, but I want you to, to be able to, to run through your card of some of your favorite futures. Yeah. Shout out my guy, Jason Weingarten, who has been all over J-Rod for forever now. So he's right there with you with Julio as being the rookie of the year. Uh, for me, I got a bunch of futures out there. Like I mentioned the Phillies before, I'm extremely high on them. Uh, and the Nets are getting all the play in the National League East, and rightfully so, with the Scherzer and DeGrom at the top of the rotation. But we all know the health situation, so there's obviously going to be some stumbles there, plus the New York Mets. The Atlanta Braves might have a little bit of a World Series hangover. Yes, they lose Freeman. They do bring in Olsen. The team is still stacked, right? They're still capable of competing. I love their pitching staff. I just don't see them having a repeat of what they did last year in the second half of the season. The Phillies, to me, have the best lineup in that division. The additions of Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos to a lineup that already included the defending, reigning MVP in Bryce Harper, who could very well win the award again, Reese Hoskins, JT Real Muto, who's the best, uh, one of the best, if not the best hitting catcher in all of Major League Baseball. Oh, you still got guys like Gene Segura and Didi Gregorius and the additions of two Huge prospects. Bryson Stott, who is one of the top prospects in all of Major League Baseball, has made their opening day roster, and he's going to get an opportunity. He's their shortstop of the future, but he might get an opportunity to start at third base ahead of Alec Bohm. And then my pick for Rookie of the Year at 100-1, to Mickey Moniak, who will get an opportunity, hopefully, to start in center field with the injury to Odubel Herrera for the first six to eight weeks of the season. This guy, Moniak, at one point during the spring, blessed three home runs in four games. I think he finished with about six spring training homers. Uh, Every time this guy hits the ball, it seems to go a long way. A lot of people are very high on him. He's worked with Kevin Long, who used to be the Yankees hitting instructor with Girardi. Now he's in Philadelphia, and uh, Moniak, a former number one overall pick, so definitely has potential, hopefully living up to that this season. Got him at 100-1, to one, got the Phillies to win the NL East at 5-1, to one. and for uh, my National League, uh, excuse me, my American League plays, you mentioned the White Sox. I'm very high on the White Sox this year. I took Eloy Jimenez at 65-1 to one to win the AL MVP. This is a guy that I I always say when healthy, because yes, that's the biggest statement in all of Major League Baseball when you're talking about futures bets. But Eloy barely played last year. But when he's healthy, you take his career stats. He's only played about 260-something games. You prorate that to a 162-game pace for a full regular Major League Baseball season. 38 homers and over 100 RBIs. 
So when he's healthy, this is a guy who's capable of putting up 4,100 numbers. And in a lineup that is absolutely stacked, one of the top five lineups in all of Major League Baseball, he, had, he can put up incredible numbers. Now, a lot of people like Luis Robert on that team in that lineup to be the MVP. I'm going to go with Eloy, who absolutely has that potential. American League Cy Young, how about this for a dark horse? Noah Syndergaard, who signed a one-year deal with the Angels, is going to be pitching behind Shohei Otani for a lineup that's now healthy, hopefully. With Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, and Otani together in that lineup to go with a couple of other good young bats, <laughs> throw in the fact that in that division, and you know this as a Mariners fan, you got one team that's barely trying, and that's the Oakland A's, who are a minor league team this year, soon to be Las Vegas A's. Uh, we thank you and we welcome you, but you're not going to be good this year. So every time Syndergaard pitches against them, you know he's going to pick up some good numbers. This is a guy that does have electric stuff, again, my favorite term, when healthy, because he hasn't been throughout his career. But the thing that I love the most about Noah Syndergaard, it's not his golden locks. It's the fact that he signed that one-year deal and he is pitching for his life. Because if he doesn't perform this season or he doesn't stay healthy this season, he will not get the long-term contract that he's looking for in the offseason. I love it. Scott, my guy, man, thank you so much for your time. Can't wait for opening day. Can't wait to talk more baseball with Scott down the road again. He is the host of The Look Ahead Sunday through Thursday, 10 to 1 Eastern on VEASAN. Follow him on Twitter at Scott's On Air. Man, I can't wait for more conversations. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy this opening weekend of baseball. Go Yankees. Or Mariners. But like, okay. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. Anytime. Awesome stuff there from Scott and really our three guests. Can't thank them enough. Travis, Nick, and Scott. A huge show here for us and a huge weekend of sports ahead. Uh, I've got some best bets, but first, let's give away some free money and some maybe some, some experience. Talk about Masters. Get your own Masters experience here in Las Vegas at the win. Uh, with our promo, if you bet at least $100 on the Masters at any point, Thursday through Sunday, you will be entered to win a two-night stay at the win Las Vegas with a plus one, including a round of golf complimentary at the Win Golf Club. Go to winbet.com or download the WinBet app for official rules and details. And I'm over here curious how I might be able to get in on that. I'm yet to play the win course. It's just right down the hall. Still waiting for that invite. So if you win this and maybe want a plus one, I, I'm happy to be that guy. Just saying. Uh, the secret word for the show is opening day. Send opening day to WinBet's Twitter DMs. Include your WinBet username and email, and you will be in for a $25 free bet. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's get to my winning pick. I've got several of them. I will end with my official winning pick, but I have got a number because you have to have a full card for the Masters. I don't normally bet golf, but it's the Masters. So I've got a sprinkle of favorites and some underdogs and then a top five. Uh, so let's run through them. Brooks Kepka, top 20 at minus 135. This one's pretty simple. Brooks Kepka's in a major. You expect him to be relevant. It's as simple as that. The beauty of this is if it doesn't get home, if he doesn't finish inside the top 20, heck, if he even misses the cut, it's just further evidence that karma is a real thing because people don't forget that on hole three at the Shriners on Saturday, he hit your boy with his drive and didn't apologize. And he hasn't been in great shape. He hasn't been in good form since. So you hope that he figures it out. But again, karma can be a fickle one. 
Uh, and we'll find out this week whether he's still in the doghouse of the karma gods. Brooks Kepka, top 20, minus 135. Colin Morikawa, top 20, at minus 135 as well. Again, this is a guy who's one of the most consistent ball strikers uh, in all of golf. He's already won a major. Hitting grades is a premium at Augusta. Give me Colin Morikawa, who has shown that the moment is not too big for him on the biggest stages. Uh, getting into plus money, I have Will Zalatoris, top 20 at plus 110. He finished second last year. He's really coming out party on the PGA Tour. Uh, got second, the runner-up to Hideki Matsuyama. So again, you know the stage isn't too big for him at Augusta. He is number one on tour in strokes gained from tee to green. The guy just has to make putts. Not even make putts, but just not have that putter be a liability. He is 170th in uh, strokes gained with his putter. Um, but again, a guy who's in really good form from tee to green, he's going to give himself opportunities. Sam Burns, you heard Travis earlier. He's a Sam Burns fan. I love to hear that. Top 20 at plus 140. This is his first Masters, but I love that he's already a three-time winner. He's got five top 10s this season, and he has positive strokes gained in every single category. He's ninth in strokes gained uh, in terms of approach and 10th in total strokes gained. He's been on fire uh, so far this season. I like Sam Burns at plus money. Also taking Corey Connors at top 20 uh, to round out my five bets of top 20 players. That's also at plus 140. Uh, he finished eighth in last year's Masters in uh, 2021, and he's been in good form of late. He's number six in strokes gained off the tee and plus strokes gained or positive strokes gained in every single category. Um, he's thought of as a tremendous striker of the ball. That is a premium at Augusta. I like Corey Connors at plus 140. And then my one favorite, and I'm not taking him to win outright. I'm taking him to the top five at plus 275. And this is my official winning pick for the show that will go down in the record books. Plus 275, Justin Thomas to finish in the top five. He's got five top tens already this year. You heard from Travis Fulton that he thinks that another major win is in the cards, in the future, the near future for Justin Thomas. He very well could win this. He's 12 to 1 odds. He's the second favorite uh, to John Rahm, who's 11 to 1. This guy has every shot in the bag, and I love his creativity. Maybe the most elite tee to green player on tour. He is fifth in strokes gained on approach second in terms of tee to green, and third overall in terms of strokes gained. I love Justin Thomas's game. Again, what Travis mentioned, the players, with all the nasty weather, he went out and shot a bogey-free round, one of only two players to do it despite miserable conditions. Justin Thomas is the elite of the elite. I'm taking him to finish in the top five at plus 275. That's it. That's all. What a show. We talked UFC. talked a little soccer with Nick Dias. We had Travis Fulton give us a full Masters preview and expectations for Tiger Woods. And then Scott Seidenberg of VEASAN helping us preview opening day and giving you a full card of MLB futures that you can tap into. Lots of fun. Enjoy the weekend in sports. We can't wait to recap it next Monday right here on Bet to Win.